Hey everybody, welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. On today's show, Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com, and myself, we'll talk about Andrew Nimard's exciting and at times uh, scary summer with Team Canada. We will break down Florida's September recruiting board. Um, lots of official visits coming this month. It's that time as, as teams get ready to close on their 2020 classes. And uh, we'll visit Bracketology and take listener questions. So we hope that you enjoy the show. Um, and, you know, it gets you through uh, by week on to uh, the home opener against Tennessee Martin on the football side of things next week. Hello, everybody. I am with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. We're going to start our show this week with uh, Eric kind of being one of the uh, people that people were looking to on Twitter uh, after the Andrew Nimhart injury scare. Uh, Andrew Nimhart plays with Team Canada. Uh, really some good performances from Andrew, but I wanted to get uh, Eric's thoughts for everybody because he wrote a piece on it at Gator Country and, and obviously has had a chance to follow the Canadian uh, national team a little closer than a lot of us in the States have. Yeah, he's really played well. Uh, and I think that it, it's really shocked me how well he's playing. Um, just because, you know, like ever, obviously you expect someone who is a freshman to, to make a step towards their kind of sophomore year. But uh, yeah, his step just seems even more major than, than what I could have expected. He seems a lot quicker. He seems noticeably stronger um, and, and just a, a, a tighter handle. He, the way he's attacking off the dribble, it, it's, been, it's been really good. And uh, one thing that I think that is also really important for someone who might be hearing that comment about like some summer international basketball and be like, oh, like, but what's a competition? Well, like already, I mean, uh, he did it against a, a Nigerian team with a, a bunch of NBA talent like, uh, like Josh Okogi and Alfru Kaminu. And they, so they had some NBA guys. Um, they did it against us. He did it. He played really well against Australia. They have some NBA guys. Um, and then he played pretty well against, uh, against USA as well. So he's doing it against good competition. And I mean, um, there's kind of a discussion on, on the cater country forums about whether or not, um, uh, someone suggesting that the people, uh, Andrew Nemhart was playing against, um, were not very good and claimed that, uh, would not make a final four. And I mean, there was five NBA guys on, on Nigeria's team. So uh, I would say that team would make the final four and even Canada's team with uh, uh, guys like, uh, you know, uh, Melvin Edgem and Kyle Wiltshire and Kevin Pangos and, you know, Corey Joseph, an NBA player. I, I, I think that would be a final four caliber team as well. So, um, yeah, Andrew Demart's doing it against really good competition. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, that's obviously very encouraging. And I think the biggest thing is just, yeah, the way he's been able to uh, grow his offensive game. I think he's just going to come a lot more aggressive and, and looking to score himself a lot more. And I think he's going to do it pretty well. The jump shot hasn't looked um, a ton better, I wouldn't say. Uh, so that's something that will be interesting to kind of see how that works. But in terms of the ability to, to get to the hoop and finish, uh, he, he looks a lot better. And uh, the, the injury scare, I mean, that was definitely a, a, a scare. <laughs> I thought it looked pretty, uh, uh, it looked pretty bad uh, for, for those of you who maybe didn't see it. I mean, he took a little bit of a knee on knee, though. It looked, uh, it looked in the end that it maybe wasn't a, a knee on, on knee. But, uh, you know, he went down in a lot of pain, uh, went to get back up. And then after he got up, he very quickly went back to the ground. And I thought that was an indication of something that was pretty scary. And then, I mean, the trainers were out for quite a long time. And then he ended up getting, uh, getting help to the bench. So I, I was uh, pretty nervous. But uh, then he came back a couple of days later to, to play, against, uh, play against USA. And I think for uh, the way that he was able to defend guys like Donovan Mitchell and, and Kemba Walker, um, I'd say he's probably pretty good. So uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that, yeah, yeah, maybe dodged a scare there. So uh, I guess, I mean, you've, you've watched now and, and you are familiar with Nick Nurse's offensive system. And, you know, one thing that Andrew took some criticism for, which we defended on the podcast when it was appropriate to defend it, I think. I mean, I don't, you know, obviously don't remember every detail of every conversation. Sorry, Eric. But uh, <laughs> um, I think one criticism of Andrew was his creation out of the pick and roll. Um, and I think a lot of us said, not just you and me. I mean, people that that also follow the program, Chris Harry, um, you know, Kevin Brockway, 
you know, people that follow Florida basketball pretty closely said, well, some of that had to do with the bigs that he's making interior passes to. But did you see that, you know, there was improvement just in terms of, of that? Yeah, I think that, um, first of all, yeah, just talking about, you know, not really having a good big to work with, uh, with, so with Team Canada and, and Nick Nurse, the Toronto Raptors coach who's, who's coaching the team, I mean, it's like continuity ball screen. It's just ball screen after ball screen. And uh, so Andrew Nemhart's had to run a ton. And uh, he's been especially really good with uh, with uh, with Ken Birch. You know, some people who are, you know, Orlando Magic fans here will like like that name. But uh, so he's definitely had had someone who he can really work with. But um, he has been a little bit better to the pick and roll, just um, kind of coming off the pick and roll with more speed. I think that's something that I've noticed more is yeah. uh, last season. I feel like he, when he went off the pick and roll, he was kind of like taking like kind of half crab dribbles and trying to trying to just string out the defense a little bit and find a passing lane um, where I think sometimes he just needed to attack the defense with a get come off that pick with a little more pace and a little more tempo and uh, and maybe make things happen that way. And yeah, that's kind of something I've, I've seen is uh, at least with his time in Canada is playing with the Canadian team is yeah. He just seems to come off the pick and roll with a little more speed. He's got a little bit of touch on a floater, which, you know, long time listeners of the podcast will know I don't love floaters, but um you know, if you can get a little bit deeper in and and make that floater a little bit of a shorter shot, I mean, it's something that that can be effective. Though I don't hope he doesn't go to it a ton, but um, I think a lot of it is just coming off the pick and roll with a lot more speed. And because people have to respect his passing ability, um, maybe they still play off. And if he does, he can get right to the hoop. But uh, the one thing that he will need to add if he's ever going to be a, a really good pick and roll player is is a pull up jump shot, and and that's something he doesn't have quite yet. So, sounds like. You think they might improve on the uh, 0.579 points per possession off the pick and roll last year? But, yeah, uh, I mean, oh. still, still some work to do. That's not a good number for those of you who aren't deep into the into the metrics. That's that's bad. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, like Florida <laughs> as a team was like uh, 0.9 ish, which is not great, but they were like 0.9 in the half court. So yeah, five seven seven is pretty. Uh, <laughs> pretty brutal and yeah we that we didn't actually see a lot of a lot of ball screens and um it's funny you mentioned that number i, I have an article coming where i uh, i talk with uh, uh someone i really uh, really appreciate in the analytics community and got his kind of some of his thoughts on florida and he was uh yeah he did not have good things to say about florida's offense in the pick and roll but i do think <laughs> with uh with andrew nemhart's improvement and of course with uh with Kerry blackshear that'll be something that could be um a little more part of the offense yeah no we've talked about uh I think, you know, at least my confidence that I think Eric shares some of maybe not as he, you're maybe not as bullish as I am, but I feel like Trey Mann's going to help a lot in that, in that, in that area, just because of his ability right. to kind of get downhill quickly. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think that's something with Andrew Nemhard or just with like a general pick and roll is you do need your ball handler to be some form of offensive threat. And uh, yeah, Trey Mann will be that. So uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him run some pick and roll. Um, so, you know, we talked a little last show about the benefits of Florida kind of playing the end of summer ball without Andrew too. And, and that I think that helps, uh, it helps those other guards and the, the young guards on campus. Um, so I think, you know, all in all kind of best of all worlds, we should mention, I guess, before we move on to Florida's, uh, before we move on to what were we going to talk about next, Eric? Oh, recruiting. <laughs> Good job, Neil. Um, just, you know, is there anything that you've heard scout wise about Andrew this summer that, that maybe, um, you know, is a little different than the take we got in March? Um, I, I, I still think, um, yeah, going back to being able to talk about, uh, talk to some of the coaches about, um, about what Andrew Demhart is really kind of, attitudes game they still say shot making is is a huge thing but uh i i do think that i i didn't really see it with canada so far and uh something i should mention as well um uh for those like this wasn't like one or two exhibition games this was seven games that they played they played one against or sorry they played two against nigeria they played two against new zealand two against australia and one against uh usa and uh those are seven great games against good competition and uh, the shot making not quite there for Andrew yet, so I think that's something I still need to see a little bit more. But that still seems to be the word um, for people who kind of saw him play before there. 
So, I mean, you know, again, uh, promising updates, certainly a player that sounds like he's developed some this summer and, and, um, you know, just another, look, we're not going to trade Andrew Nimhart. I don't think for, for a point guard in the sec, in my opinion. I mean, I guess there's some people at, at Alabama that might argue with us, right. Or at Kentucky, but, uh, I don't know. It just seems like a positive growth trend now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't take I wouldn't trade him for any other point guard. And um I could see with a team with kind of less good pieces around that like maybe a Kyra Lewis would be nice just because he is a little bit more of the like one man offense who can go and score for himself. But for a team like Florida, um or I mean like Kentucky would be better off if they had Adrian Nembhardt, I I firmly believe. So when you've got other pieces around, yeah, there's no one I'd rather have than uh, than Nembhardt. So let's transition from Andrew, who's probably spending his last year on Florida's campus, <laughs> to guys who uh, are coming to visit Florida's campus in September that we hope will be on campus for one to four years, um, I guess. Man, I, actually looking at the list, like thinking that any of these people are five-year players is like almost a stretch, almost to a man, um, but we'll get into that a little bit. Um uh, Two huge recruiting weekends. It's really merged into three now, by the way, because of the October 5th announcement. So Eric and I create like a run of show for the shows. And basically, we had some issues with the Anchor application. And so we're recording Labor Day, uh, which is a little later than we wanted to. And and the very short version of a long story is that uh, some other visits got locked in, like in the few days that we didn't record. But the first big one is coming up this weekend. Um and, you know, barring a change in course from the hurricane, I imagine all these visits are going to be good. Uh, so among the players visiting this weekend for Florida are uh, four-star wing Micah Peavy. And um, let's just do the names first, and then we can kind of go over guys. Four-star point guard Lynn Greer. These are composite 24-7 rankings. Four-star wing Niels Lane. Uh, three-star power forward Elijah Taylor. And that's it. There was supposed to be, well, I guess it just kind of got reported wrong. So Zed Key, it was announced that he would visit uh, by Corey Evans. Corey Evans went back and corrected it after, I guess, speaking with Key. And Key said, well, look, I'm still trying to figure out when I'm going to go to Florida, but I'm going to go to Florida this fall. And that's kind of where that ended up um, on my end. And and so Micah Peavy, I think, is really the gem of the group that's coming in. Uh, that's kind of my take. He's a two reasons. One, it's a position of need and Florida just needs wings. We've, we've kind of talked about this for a couple of months, right, Eric. And then, yeah. uh, and he's a top 50 wing and he's a guy that, that Florida has recruited for a while. And so it's not like the Gators kind of got in this, this got involved in this late. It's just sort of a geographic problem that that um they don't know if they can hold off texas tech uh but it seems like it's really a florida texas tech arkansas type deal and you know pb said recently that that will wade stopped calling him which is weird um (laughs) so uh so there's there's some hot updates uh so i don't know if the october 12th visit to lsu that he had scheduled is actually going to happen um yeah, all kinds of weird stuff. Like so, that's kind of the deal with Michael Peavy, top fifty player, um, really good scorer. Um, I don't think uh, you know a guy that that shoots great, um, but you know I think he can get to the basket because he's a really good athlete. Um, I think he's an NBA player, but not a one and done. That's kind of my take on him. I don't know how much you know about him, Eric. Um, I. I don't think he looks very big, so that's kind of the one. Like I, I guess do you, uh, you've got his maybe thing pulled, but but yeah, I don't. Think yeah, six five one seventy. That's not that's okay. not big. That's yeah. Thin. So so I think that that maybe and and I mean so I see that he doesn't have like great size and doesn't shoot super well. So I don't know if I think he's an NBA player necessarily, but that also means like hey, this is a guy that could be like a three year player. So <laughs> those are the guys that you kind of want are the guys that like you know. That those are kind of the guys that win, win in college basketball are the guys that are like really close to NBA potential, but like are just an inch or two short or 15 pounds light or, 
don't quite have the jump shot. And uh, so, yeah, he's, it's a play that I'm pretty interested in. And, and like you said, Neil, I mean, he plays wing and Florida needs those guys. So uh, that's something that'll be interesting if they can pull him out of Texas. And, uh, and uh, I think you just, again, you look at the, uh, you look at the fact that Texas tech is uh, kind of the, maybe the leader here. And I know there is some geographic kind of range to that, but at the same time, I mean, I, I think Texas tech is an awesome program. And um, if they're super hard after him, I think that that also says something about, uh, about this guy. Yeah, we talked about Lynn Greer on the last show. I don't know if we want to revisit it. I, the one thing that I, I don't know if we mentioned was that Florida's point guard board is kind of it's. I don't want to say it's it's become a problem. Uh, I don't think that's fair. I think it's just it's narrowed. So Greer is kind of a guy that's on the point guard board that becomes more important than maybe we initially thought he was. Although we're going to get to another visitor uh, in a second, Niles Lane. You know, Florida's the only school, I think this is what we said last show, like he's the only school, we're really the only school out of the Northeast that's that's still like real involved here now. Uh, as far as I know, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Elijah Taylor is a three-star power forward. This is actually somebody Florida got in on late and somebody that had a big summer. Yeah, I find him pretty interesting. Just um, uh, one, just the kind of style of play. He's, yeah, so he's a really physical power forward. Um, someone that, again, we haven't really seen at Florida for a while and that you don't see, uh, you know, isn't super trendy today in, in college basketball, but someone who can uh, just kind of dominate physically at the four, probably a little small to play the five for um, for long stretches. Um, I, one thing that, you know, I watched him a little bit, but I was able to read a bunch of kind of scouting reports on him. And uh, a lot of people said, well, it was interesting because there was three camps. There was one camp who said, um, looked awesome when I saw him, camp leaves our entire um, the, another camp that said um, he was terrible at this tournament we saw him in. And then there was another camp that said, yeah, he's a really inconsistent guy. So, so I really, uh, there was people who saw him once that said, um, hey, either he's awesome or he's really bad. And then some people that said like, yeah, if you watch him a few <laughs> times, he's pretty inconsistent. I think when you, um, when you look at his offers, I would say that that's kind of um, consistent with that. Yeah. Um, I will say just, uh, just, you know, you've got offers from Seton Hall and, and Dayton, Florida, uh, George Washington, Penn state. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound probably a lot more negative than I want it to, but it's a little Deandre Ballardy, I would say where okay. he is just in the sense that some people are like, this should be a top hundred guy. Some other services say, Hey, this is more like a 250, 300 guy. And you look at his offers and they're certainly a lot more like a 250, 300 guy than a top 100 guy. So, um, yeah, I, I find him quite interesting as, as kind of this power four um, option. But, uh, yeah, someone that I'm going to have to trust the coaching staff who's seen a lot more of him than, than I did. <laughs> so I'll say that, I guess. Well, you know, and that's the thing, because when we talk about guys making official visits, which is everybody that we're talking about today, we really are talking about people that are obviously – you know, they're in a position to be takes, right? I mean, well, you don't usually at this stage in the recruiting process, you're not having somebody on campus for an official if you're not, uh, right. if both, if there's not mutual interest. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's an interesting evaluation and, and we try to do that here at, at the pod for the newer listeners. I mean, we're not gonna, we're not gonna pump sunshine all the time. I, I kind of agreed that what little I uh, you know, I, I pawned this one off to Eric. So what little I read about him though, was basically that like his sort of inconsistent evaluations, the kind of guy that like seems to have a pretty high ceiling if like the right staff can tap into it, but also it's a guy that, you know, you worry about maybe as somebody that, that it just doesn't work and, and they're gone in a couple seasons. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a, Oh, sorry. No, I, just, that's it. Uh, that's how... <laughs> I think like, like I said, uh, the, the, Offers are a little DeAndre Ballardy, um, but at the same time, I think I mentioned in the past, um, Seton Hall is kind of the leader here, it says, and, and, I, and I think I mentioned on this podcast before, I, I really like Seton Hall's recruiting usually. Like, I usually really like the guys they target, and they're always almost always in on a lot of really interesting guys early that they, like, don't end up landing. And then Dayton is another staff like that. Um, so I think that, uh, again, so I said it's DeAndre Ballardy. That's, that's probably a little, not super accurate, but... Um, <laughs> But, uh, and again, I see the schools that are in on him and it's another one where I'm like, man, these schools that are high on him are, are schools that I, I historically have a lot of respect for. So, um, yeah, so that's interesting for me, but, uh, yeah. The next recruiting weekend is September 21st. Um, 
really doesn't get much bigger than than what Florida's going to have on campus that weekend. Quite honestly, uh, I mean, it's 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 really impressive. Um, the list of players that that the Gators will bring in uh, the headliner. At least I think the headliners are. I should say headliners are five star um, wing Jaden Springer. Uh, considered a UNC lean, we can just start with him. Um, I mean, obviously, somebody that Florida's recruited forever, right? Yeah, he is someone they've been on for a long time, and being at IMG, there's, it kind of makes sense. Um, and yeah, you see the the schools that he, that are in on him. I mean, it's yeah, Florida, it's Memphis, it's obviously North Carolina. That's um, seems to be the the heavy heavy lead. Michigan, uh, Tennessee. So it's uh, yeah, the good teams want him. And um, pretty interesting for sure. Is he's another guy that's you know he's a wing, but I think he's really a, a shooting guard. He's another guy without great size. Like I mean, it's good size for a shooting guard, not really good size for a three. Um, right. I I I don't know if I. And I mean, this is, I hope this doesn't sound like, you know, Florida case. Okay, so Florida, it does not look like Florida is going to get this guy. I'll say that at this current moment. No, so no, I'm, I don't but I'm really, either. I'm really not trying to be like, um, kind of salty about this, but he's a player that I look when I, whenever I've seen him play, I, like, I don't think he's the 16th best player in, in the country. Um, I, I think his handle is quite poor. I don't think he's a very good ball handler every time I've watched him play. So he's got a lot of like good physical tools, um, can shoot the ball decently. Um, but I think he's just really strong and can really kind of, uh, both through kind of smaller players and, uh, uh, get to the rim that way. But when you actually look at his ball handling, I, I don't think it's great. So to me, he's kind of like, uh, um, kind of this like slasher that I don't actually think has ball handling. That's going to kind of immediately translate to the next level. So, um, yeah. So I, while I will say he's a very, very good player, I don't, I, I don't really think he's like this high five-star guy. Um, but the same, yeah, I mean, I'd be stoked if Florida got him. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that there's a, there's a little bit of a, he's certainly not a perfect prospect. Like, like I guess no one is, but, um, yeah, like you kind of mentioned and, and alluded to, I mean, if you get him on campus this late, you got to be in on him pretty good. So that'll be, uh, uh, something to watch because he would definitely bring some, some good toughness and, and good size to the, to the kind of two spot. And, uh, maybe not great size at the three spot, but if you were to play the two, um, re- really good option there. Yeah, no, I mean, um, look, they they have, I think, done a good job of cultivating relationships that put them in a position to get guys like this. And so, um, you know, one thing that I've kind of, and Eric sees these tweets that I'll send a lot, or like that's kind of the theme is always in the mix because Florida has really, part of recruiting is the optics of recruiting too. And, and Florida is consistently in battles for elite players. Uh, you know, you're not going to get them all when you're in this battle. Not even Kentucky gets everybody they want. That's just a fact. Ask, ask Scotty Lewis, right? But, uh, but if you're in on all those battles, you're going to land guys. Um, you're going to land big names occasionally. And, and, you know, Florida's, Florida's done that the last two seasons with, with Nimhard and, Keontae Johnson and and with Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann and they're probably in a position to do that with their 2020 class now a couple other guys visiting that weekend one that I really do like is four-star guard Matt Merle who reminds me of Chauncey Billups I'll just say it (laughs) um and you know that might be maybe is Chauncey Billups old school now like am I aging myself with a Chauncey Billups reference like should I have gone like (laughs) should I have gone like some sort of younger more physical guard that that like <laughs> well there's not there's not as many of those you know like guys that aren't massive guards but are still super physical and um known for their defense while also you know being big shot chauncey so i think that's uh i think that's a really good a really good comparison and if, hey if there's younger listeners to the show who don't catch that one you know hit youtube yeah yeah definitely youtube some chauncey billings when we talk matt merle um who Look, uh, should we just be like, let's just be brutally honest again. I don't think he's going to Florida. <laughs> um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I, you know, uh, look, Jerry Stackhouse is the new head coach at Vanderbilt. He hired Faraji Phillips, uh, who was Matt Merrill's head coach at Windhaven, uh, a historic school in Memphis. It's produced a lot of basketball talent. They hired him so that they could. Recruit Memphis, which you have to do if you're at Vanderbilt. That was a really smart hire, and I think it also means that Matt Merrill's going to go to Vanderbilt. Um, I hope he doesn't because, man, he's good. 
No, I think that uh, he's someone that I think I, I've gotten a lot of questions about him. Just, you know, people on Twitter or on, at Gator Country just saying like, hey, what are our shots with this guy? And it's always been like, ah, it's, you know, we're in it, but I don't think it's great. But they've just, they, I, I've been surprised at the amount of people that have asked about him. And it shows just uh, that people do see how, how good of a player is or a good, how good of a player he is. And I think that, um, uh, I, yeah, I think that players that can be relied upon offensively while also being, you know, kind of elite defensive players, uh, you don't always see those, especially coming out of high school. So I can see why he's really desired. And uh, I wasn't even sure if Florida would make his, you know, get this visit or get this kind of in his final school. So yeah. the fact that they're here, I mean, hey, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with that. Um, one other visitor. Uh, just, so there's a bunch. This is a big, the biggest weekend, really, for Florida. Um Another guy with Vanderbilt on his his list of finalists is uh, Wing Miles Stute. We talked about him from another historic basketball power in D.C., um, Gonzaga. A guy whose offer list has improved pretty substantially as a senior. I mean, his finalists are Virginia Tech, who was in the Sweet 16. Vanderbilt, pretty good school. Uh, Marquette, pretty good historic program. Uh, and then Buzz Williams. Uh, kind of snuck in there. I think Buzz was recruiting him at Virginia Tech, so it's just a, it's just one of those deals. But it tells you that Buzz Buzz immediately put him on his A and M board. Um, and then the Gators, and you know, look, this is a guy, unlike Matthew Merle, who um, Darius Nichols has a really good relationship with, and I think uh, there's a chance that that this is a Florida player. Yeah, I think this is a really good option. Is one of the kind of one of the rare wings that is has really good size, but is not going to be a one or two and done. I don't think. Yeah, for your um, player. So, so I re- I think that that would be very valuable, and, and those are the kind of guys that yeah, Florida could definitely use a few of them, and that just because they're so tough to come by nowadays. Um, and I think that uh, I think this is a guy that I probably want more than the average person for that reason. Uh, and uh, I think that, once again, you see these kind of like. Uh, kind of like Taj uh, Thweet, or I, I forget how to, say this, how to say his name. You kept handling it on the last podcast. Taj Thweet. But in, three, it is three. Okay, so, um, I mean, just again, is like uh, kind of these big wings that have really good size that are going to be probably three or four-year players, I, yeah. I think would just be massive, and I think the staff definitely realizes it, and that's why they made him a priority. So um, to land one of those two guys would be would be very, very helpful, I think, even though it's not like the sexiest of names or the highest of, of rankings in, in 24-7 or something. Yeah, but it's a guy also like because we've talked about that like trending upwards is important, and um, he certainly kind of fits that bill. Uh, his his last visit is to A and M. For those that are like, well, where where how close is Florida? Um, you should just note that he he has that October five to A and M scheduled. So uh, I think I don't want to say it's between those two schools because he is from DC and there's still like Virginia Tech circulating. I think. Um, swirling i think but yeah i mean it seems to me like that's probably what's going on the other two visitors 921 are aj hoggard uh point guard um like we talked about our point guard board this was the eyebrow raiser to me eric i didn't even know that florida was like (laughs) this staff this staff does this stuff sometimes and you're like wait we were recruiting that guy and he was interested in us yeah, they're going to throw their hat in the ring no matter what. I like, I love it. I, <laughs> it's a lot of work for them, but I mean, yeah, I, they're going He's a to, good player. Yeah, he's a really good player, but there's another kind of – he's interesting as well because um, – so I really like him watching him play, and I, I, I swear that I like thought of the team that I thought he should he was going to go to before I then saw that he had all the crystal balls to them. So you could believe me or not, but I, I saw him play and I'm like, oh, he's 100% a Michigan State player. <laughs> and then, Michigan, and yeah, because I mean, he's <laughs> he, he's built like Cassius Winston, where he is like just a really kind of thick, strong guard. And he just plays really quick in transition, just looking to push the ball every single time he gets it. So it's kind of perfect for what Michigan State wants to do, who just, you know, pushes the ball and drag screens and gets early offense. And um, yeah, and then, you know. Just as uh, just as we expected, he's uh, kind of crystal balled by everyone to go to Michigan State. So um, the other thing too that I would say kind of supports that is you look at the other offers he has, and it's um, you know it's not a lot of elite kind of teams. Like I, I feel like a lot of coaches probably thought that he was a heavy Michigan State guy and therefore didn't get in. 
So, uh, yeah, Michigan State looks like the leader here. But, uh, hey, Michigan State has really good point cards and a really good program. And that's uh, that's why this guy's probably a really good player and Florida wants in on him. But, yeah, I, I will say that. Just a player who really thrives in transition and can really defend his spot really tough. And, yeah, really good player. Yeah, he uh, he just visited Providence. Um, just one of the only other schools that didn't back off, I guess. That's a great point, Eric, that you definitely look at an offer list and you're like, top 75 player one of the best players in Pennsylvania, which is no small feat. Like why in the world is, uh, <laughs> is his offer sheet not, you know, filled with blue bloods and you kind of see it's because he's Tom Izzo's point guard, <laughs> but oh, yeah. he's going to visit, he's going to visit Gainesville. He goes to Huntington prep, which is where uh, Dudley Blackwell uh, plays. It's a, a, you know, it's, it's kind of like a Montverde type deal. Um, so that's, you know, that's interesting. There's a lot of talent around him, um, up at Huntington prep and it's not a place I think Florida's really ever landed somebody before, but, uh, like, like Eric said, the staff will throw its hat in the ring. They're not afraid. Uh, yeah. Then, and the last guy on nine twenty one is PJ hall, who apparently had a really great visit to Virginia tech. And, um, I don't know. Look, I think that when all is said and done, I think PJ Hall will come to Florida, but um, he certainly has dragged it on a little longer than a lot of people felt like. And, you know, I'm sure that has created some nerves, maybe, maybe not in the basketball building, but certainly among the fan base. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just, the one thing that is interesting is I do remember multiple interviews where he, in the past where he said he was going to um, commit before, um, like before his senior year started. So obviously that's not going to happen. Um, so I think that uh, maybe that's one thing for Florida fans. It's like, hey, if you, you know you said you wanted to commit before your senior year started and everyone thinks you're going to Florida. So if you are not committing to Florida before your season, your senior season starts, maybe you're having you know second thoughts and you're you know looking at other programs. I, I mean, that could maybe be something that um, crosses people's minds. But at the same time, I, I, I still feel confident here. Yeah, his family has done a really good job of like using the unofficial visit rule too. Where like I think oh, yeah. he's made unofficials at like Clemson, Florida, South Carolina, Virginia Tech. Like those are all unofficials where he's going back to do official visits this fall. So yeah, maybe he's just a kid that enjoys the process too. Who knows? Um but uh yeah, I mean obviously a priority. And then finally, before we get to listener questions, October fifth, um uh, Kate Cunningham and probably Miles Moody, like I said, but I, I'm I'm gonna pat Florida basketball hour on the back because I nailed the Kate Cunningham October fifth visit uh, before it broke. <laughs> <laughs> so I told y'all he was gonna come to campus. I think he's gonna bring his buddy who just dropped his final seven with Florida in it. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, Cade uh, Cunningham going to Oklahoma State. I think. Um, everybody seems to think that I, I loved Eric's recruiting push, like be different. Like you already got your brother a job. Yeah. <laughs> you've done your job. You've done your job, stay in state. Um, but you know, I think, you know, people are like, Oh, well, Florida wants his buddy. Well, look, Florida didn't bring Kate Cunningham on, on campus solely because they want my Moses Moody to come here. Uh, they, they're bringing him on campus cause that it's good to have the number one recruit visit. Uh, they're bringing him on campus because they'd love to sign him. Um, so, you know, it's not all about Moses Moody, but at a minimum, he'll get to watch a really good football game. Yeah. I mean, I think he's another guy too, that if, um, the longer that he puts off his decision, um, maybe the better for Florida slash other teams who maybe think that they still have a chance just because, like Oklahoma State should be a better team this year, and maybe we'll sniff around making the NCAA t- tournament. But like, at the same time, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if they have another, you know, disappointing year. Like they've had many disappointing years recently. So, if uh, if you know if he decides to push his decision, you know, later and it's it's deep into the college basketball season or or so, like he decides he wants to wait till the spring or something, and he sees Oklahoma State struggling again. And then, um, you know, like I said, he already did himself. A, he did his brother a solid. He, he got him a job at a power <laughs> five school. He's he, he doesn't need to push it any further by validating it. And what's the, the other thing, too, is like what once Cade Cunningham is gone, it's not like his brother. It's like, OK, well, now we're going to keep 
your brother on for another decade. Um, yeah. You know, it's not, so it's not like him going or not is really going to affect his brother's career trajectory. So I know he's not listening to this, so I mean, I don't have to say this, but <laughs> that's my thought. He's done, he's done his thing. Um, did, uh, did Chase Johnson go to, go to Huntington prep? I oh, think he's he might... from Hunt. I think he's from Huntington, but I'm not, I don't, Remember yeah, I don't know. My, I could have, was, I could have, I could have totally missed that one. By the way, well, that that Apologies was before my, I did. that was before my time um, writing about Florida basketball. So I'm not. Uh, um, yeah, I, could, I know he was from <laughs> Huntington. I don't know if he went to school but, there. But anyways, yeah. So so Kate, but uh, yeah, Kate getting Kate Cunningham on on campus, you know, doesn't doesn't hurt. And uh, uh, Moses, if you know, you miss on Kate Cunningham and get Moody. I mean, that's not a not a bad consolation prize. One, <laughs> not bad at all. So. Uh, yeah, getting one of those two guys. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah, no. Um, and Chase Johnson did go to Huntington Prep, so big wrong for me. At least we get an on-air correct instead of well, a tweet. I, oh, thanks. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you could rephrase it to saying Florida has not gotten a lot of games out of Huntington Prep recruits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 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 uh, that can be the rephrased. So painful. Um, yeah. Listener I'm questions. To watch you play this year. Me too, me too. Zach Ward, chances of Florida landing both Matthew Merle and Samson Ruzhenset. Who visits uh, September 28th? We left him out. Um, I mean, I, I just don't I, – I don't know about Niels Lane. Like, I, I, I don't know where – Florida's definitely kicking around. I just wouldn't call him the favorites for sure. And, um, yeah, Ruznetsov, uh, that's one I don't really know a lot about yet. But I, I feel like I really like his chances, and I'm hopefully going to – get a chance to talk to him sometime. I'm going to go through, uh, you know, his former teammate Jatobo and see if I can get his, get his contact, but that would be interesting. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't, wouldn't call it, wouldn't call the Gators a favorite for Lane yet or sorry, Merle. He said, sorry, not Lane for Merle. Uh, yeah, we talked about that kind of already, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't call him a favorite for any of those guys. Um, but Which guy would you rather have out of those two out of Merle and Rusensev? Yes. Uh, Merle. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I I like him a lot. I mean, I really wish that, that Jerry Stackhouse wasn't so smart. Um, <laughs> let's see. Justin Fortner. Question is for Eric and Neil. Besides PJ Hall, who's the most important recruit for Florida in the 2020 class? Great question, Eric. For most important... I don't know if it's a single player, but it, I, I really do think Florida needs a wing. That's just something again that we kind of echoed throughout the other kind of visits. Is, is Florida needs one of those six foot seven guys? Um, so I don't know if it's specifically. And I, I would love it. Like it, it's just kind of funny to say it about like a three star or, a, you know, like a two hundred and fiftieth ranked kind of guy. <laughs> but I, I really do think it's like a Miles Suter or a Taj Tweet that that does stay for multiple years because I think those are guys kind. Of, like guys that'll be um, effective in their first year um, in addition to, to staying a bunch of years. So uh, I, I do think Florida needs to land one of those guys because Florida could land um, PJ Hall and, you know, and AJ Hoggard, even Zed uh, Key. Just hypothetically. And yeah. And Zed key um, some of our, you know, favorites, but if they don't <laughs> have this kind of versatile wing, it's, it's going to hurt the rotation a little bit. So um, yeah. out of those two, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe three out of the guys I've seen, but I'll, I, I will. So yeah, as a very outside, um, probably not what you were expecting, um, or at least, you know, what the listeners or the person who asked the question is expecting. I think I'm going to go Tash Thweet or Miles Stude. Yeah, I would say I actually agree. And, and so I hate when the, I don't hate when we agree. I love when we agree, but I hate that we're both kind of, we're both giving like the outside the box answer when, Maybe a listener was probably thinking we were going to say like Moses Moody, um, and yeah, that would be great to land Moses Moody. Don't get me wrong; like, I think that'd be huge uh, to get that kind of score. Um, it, 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 but you know, it, it really is about roster flexibility and versatility. Remember, Florida won thirty consecutive games in the SEC with a bunch of fringe NBA guys. Now that was Billy Donovan and not this staff. Uh, but but the way that they did it is still it still holds right. You had a good rotation, uh, you had roster versatility, a bunch of guys that could change spots. You had a really solid big, and you got old. Um, and traditionally, Florida has has won because they could play old, and they're old and smart. Um, and I think that this staff 
probably wants to do that and that this year is a little bit different. Um, but even like this season, the key to the whole thing is, is Blackshear because not just because of positionally, but because you, you bring that veteran leadership presence. I think it's both those things. So I, I agree with Eric. I think it's one of Stute, Thweet, or uh, Rusensev. Um, with Rusensev, to me, being maybe the least polished of them basketball-wise. I know that, but I'm also like a guy that's watched more Taj Thweet film than, <laughs> than, one, than, one, than most people, I think. Um, you know, I don't know. Like what I want to see with Rusensev is like what happens to his game when players can challenge his athleticism consistently. Yeah, he has been able to just like jump over guys and burn guys in transition. Or so, yeah, I could see what I could see how why he'd be a little but, hesitant there. Like, what is his bas? What's the basketball piece? Right, like with yeah. Tash Thweet, what we saw this summer was somebody that can tenaciously attack the glass. Right. Somebody that's length becomes disruptive on defense. Someone who can impact winning as a freshman, even if even as he's figuring out how to score. Like, do we know that Rusensev is that player? Is it like, well, he can jump out of his shoes and block shots? Okay, well, that's a start. But I think, you know, that's that's kind of what I get on that piece. And and the staff knows better. I mean, they've probably watched him for a while because of Jatobo. So, uh, you know, I. I I'm not questioning the the recruiting piece of it. I just think, like for me, if I were to order the, like, what's your order on those guys? My order is Stute, Thweet, Rusinsev. Mm, I'm still intrigued by Rusinsev, so I might have to. I so might have been like, yeah, and I mean, I think he's shot the ball pretty well, and I think he does have just like an ele- like, like I think he would be the best offensive talent out of those three. And okay. the fact that he's got the he does have some athleticism. Well, I don't think he he doesn't quite have the size of those those other two, but he does have the athleticism where I think he might be, you know, he's not going to be as good of a defender as, as Tweet, but I still think he's a he could be a plus defender at the position. So if he's the best offensive out of the group, and so I'd probably say Tweet as the um safest option out of them, and then I'd go Samson and then I'd I'd probably go Stute, but I also know the least about Stute. And I know I don't know as much about Tweet as you. So, so people, well, you so know listeners, listeners could certainly uh, uh, take Neil's opinion as a little better uh, than mine on this one. No, I like it. Look, the thing with Stute is that he's not that tall. Mm. Like, it's kind of, a, you know, like he's a fringe wing. Now, his body's great. You know, his body is is Division One ready. Um, but, I mean, I don't think, you know, he's he's not 6'6". Like watch him on video. He's six five, uh, you know, and and that might be, I want to say six five soaking wet because that doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> you, you know when you see it. Um, Gator CB Caden Nix wants to know chances on Niles Lane. I think we talked about this. Like pretty good, I guess. Yeah, I I, I think pretty <laughs> good, and it's the the it kind of seems like the deeper it goes into this, the the better the chances get. Great question from. Uh, from um, Jason Kessler, which program would you like to see Gators men's basketball schedule a home and home series with in the future that we haven't played in a while? That's a really good question. Um, home and home that we haven't played in a while. I would say um, a little, well, so many programs to pick. I would say, like, just like, I mean, this is not like a super. Um, super imaginative answer, but I would say Kansas just as, you know, another just kind of traditional blue blood um, that uh, also, you know, a cool, cool building in fog Allen to go play in the, on the road. Um, and just someone who, uh, yeah, someone who I just like, haven't always loved their teams throughout the last couple of years. So I just, in terms of like uh, playing the villain a little bit. So I think it would be a, it would be a team. I just love to see Florida hopefully beat. And um, yeah, that's, that's just one off the top of my head. Um, I, can, I might come to a better answer even after if you've got something in mind and I can think. No, that's, I think that's a good answer. Um, so the two that came to mind for me were Maryland. Uh, I don't even know if Florida's ever played Maryland, but I think it would be cool to play home and home with them. Their home uh, arena is awesome. And, and you know, you know you're getting a quad one game if, if you're playing. The, the program that they've got is in pretty good shape right now. Uh, be good for uh, Noah Locke, too, if you got a chance to – so that's my number two, and then my yeah, Noah Locke would be great, and you know you got 
another three years of him. Thank, thank heavens. Um, but uh, the other one for me was Louisville. Like, let's go up to Freedom mm. Hall. Let's go up to Freedom Hall. Let's push Chris Mack around. And then we can all tweet at Jeff Goodman when Mike White beats uh, Chris Mack. That was for you, Kessler, by the way. <laughs> that would be a – yeah, I was – another one that just kind of came to mind too is as like – especially if it were to ha- – like I know it wouldn't happen this year, but just like imagining if it if it would. Um, it, just like if Florida were to play Memphis, I think that would be Ooh. kind of interesting just as a um, – yeah, just kind of something that would be – as a team that's uh, kind of on their rise right now, like maybe in a couple of years, it's not quite as, quite as interesting or, or whatever, but um, I'm also just a quick Google search shows that Florida played Maryland in 2002. Okay. I'm not sure if that's the most recent, but it's uh, something that came first on Google. So did Maryland win the natty in 2002. They might've. Uh, well, Florida won 69 to 64. So I, uh, okay. Maryland won a natty in the early 2000s though. That was okay. their last. That was their last natty. That was Juan Dixon. I, it might oh, okay. Like I'm, you know, I'm gonna be like, hey, guy in mid thirties with podcasts, he's like dropping Juan Dixon on his show and Chauncey <laughs> Billups. <laughs> How old him. is that guy? Um, yeah. Uh, another question. Eric has said before on the podcast that Quez Gover will play this year. Do you still think he will not redshirt? Um, I, I don't think he's going to redshirt. I, I do think he'll play. Um, I Me think too. a lot of it is going to have to be um, due to Trey Mann having to play the wing a lot more than um, – I sh- I won't say more than you'd like, I guess. That's probably not – but um, he is a guy that obviously I, I do think is kind of a, someone who would play a lot of point, but I, I think he's going to end up playing the two and even the three probably at times. So I, I think that for that reason, uh, Quetz Lever is going to get some time at the point. So, I, 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 yeah, I think I, I still think that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, UF Gooner, AJ, can Scotty Lewis play the two? It would be interesting to see the defensive possibilities of a Nimhard, Lewis, Keontae, Omar Payne, Blackshear lineup at times, although it might lack in offense. That's a great question. Um, And you know what? We've talked a little bit about that, uh, AJ. I think that there are some scenarios where just the presence of of Blackshear – creates downstream roster effects and and so one of those is if you have omar Payne to kind of rim protect uh the way that they use Kavari's hayes when he was young it does let you use keontae johnson at the three and then potentially uh if the other team say had a really dominant perimeter score then you might move scotty lewis to the two right and then you just you have you have a few minutes where you're throwing Scotty Lewis had a great perimeter scorer just to show a different wrinkle. So I think if you did it, it might be more about defense um, than it would be about kind of attacking on offense. But uh, yeah, I mean, I could actually see a scenario where that's a a group that Florida rolled out. Yeah. I think that's um, also um, uh, like uh, it's something that, um, that Scotty Lewis at the NBA level is going to be a two. So I think yeah. you would like to see that as well. Um, I, I think his ball handling could definitely use some some work. So I think if he's in in some kind of lineup where he's a, a secondary guard, that's something that he'd have to have to work on a little bit. But I, yeah, I don't see why not. I, I think if Florida had more options at the three, um, it, it would almost be maybe preferable for for Scotty Lewis to be your to be your two. So um, the lineup that he mentioned, yeah, it was uh, it would struggle with shooting for sure and, and offense a little bit, but it would still be at really interesting in some settings. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it. You know, another time that they could do that would be when they do that one-two-two press. Yeah, that would get some good length out there for sure. Because you can, you can, yeah, right. You can use Scotty at the top of the pressure. Now, I guess you don't really need necessarily to use that rotation to do that, but uh, it, you know, conceptually, I like kind of like the idea of it. I guess. So going going back to this uh, Maryland two thousand and two situation since everyone's really waiting on bated breath, but so Maryland <laughs> did win the NCAA tur- did win the championship in 2002. Um, but Florida played them like the next fall, 2002. So, so you were correct about them, about Maryland winning in 2002, but yeah, it was December 14th um, that they played oh. Florida and Florida won that game. So um, 
that's and unfortunately Juan Dixon was no longer you know he was he was off to the NBA but uh, but you know former uh, former NBA player Steve Blake was still on the uh, was still on team for sure so so yeah Florida big time uh, 14th ranked at the time beat number 17th ranked uh, Maryland so that was uh, potentially the last time Florida and Maryland played so I <laughs> actually to get... wait sorry two thousand two thousand three um, now oh. Maryland came into uh, Gainesville playing the number one ranked Florida Gators and won by one. Two thousand three. I was at that game. Oh, I was so, at that game. A young, so a might... young, a young University of Florida student named Neil Blackman <laughs> <laughs> had to see DJ Strawberry and. Yeah, I, I don't really know any other notable names. Uh, from this they, definitely had, they definitely had DJ Strawberry, and he hit like. I'm pretty sure that DJ Strawberry hit like a couple absolutely stupid jump shots in that game. That you're just like, I'm really not sure like how he made that or why his brain processed that as a good shot and then it went in. Um, yeah, man, that's funny. Uh, so I wanted to get, we're going to do Drew Helmich last because he's a consistent listener question person. But I wanted to get your take on this three man weave Florida preview. Which had a lot of good stuff. If you don't know about Three Men Weave, our, our colleagues in college basketball podcasting crime, um, <laughs> make sure you you follow them. But he had this idea. I don't really know which one of them it was, but it was like, I think Florida could one two two with Nimhard, Man, Locke, Lewis, and Keontae Johnson as their lineup. <laughs> and yeah. I started thinking about like Florida going super small like that, and like just how horrifying that lineup would be in terms of putting pressure on defenses actually. And um, like it, that's basically like Villanova small uh, and athletic. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that, Eric, because uh, he said he thinks that that's probably the like NBA five with the most ceiling, assuming that like Omar Payne is a freshman and he's not quite, you know, ready to be out there with that type of group. Yeah, the the problem with that kind of like that small lineup that I don't particularly care for is just the fact that it's not a lot of good ball handlers and that's what makes it, or I shouldn't say, it's not like it's bad ball handlers, but that's what makes it not Villanova is that like Noah Locke is an incredible ball handler. Scotty Lewis, not a great ball handler. Yeah. Um, you know, Keontae Johnson, not like what made Villanova is that they had so many good ball handlers, including like, you know, Chris Jenkins at the five where Keontae Johnson <laughs> is is, you know, not... Um, yeah, there's just a quite not a skill set. And there's nothing wrong with those players. I just, um, so I think you get, uh, you get a lot of this, like you get a lot of like speed, but not, not a lot of like necessarily like ball handling. So, um, and yeah, I just like, it's, it's fun to project a, a, something like that. That might be fun, like some kind of lineup like that. But at the same time, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know why you would, uh, well, here, when, let me when read you can you have some why. advantages at other positions. Yeah. Let me know why. Let me, let me read you the why. And then you could, you could take it. She says, I think Florida will be better on offense, but he's, they kind of make fun and make some jokes about how the bar is not very high. And then they say, uh, what is interesting to me is this idea that white could has six excellent basketball players on his roster, which is optionality. The group provides can be a real advantage if used properly. Blackshear is a star. But what if White is tempted to play a hyper-small lineup at times with Nimhard, two scoring guards in man and lock, and two athletic wings in Lewis and Johnson? A group like that, you'd think, would get blitzed inside. But Johnson is an elite two-way rebounder, and Lewis is a thoroughly absurd athlete for his size, given his length and vertical pop. I think they could compete for short stretches. Plus, that lineup would be devastating in White's 1-2-2 press, which he brought back in full force last year after a hiatus in 27-18 per synergy. Florida pressed on 20% of possessions compared to 2% the year prior. I expect that number to be more like 25 in 2019 and 20. What do you think? I don't think they need that lineup to do that. No, they don't need the lineup to like, like that's something that I feel like is, um, you you, like, it it doesn't really matter who you have at the four and the five for a one, two, two press. So why you would have like, so you could say like, oh, we're going to have more speed by getting more speed at the four and five positions to get in our press. Um, I just don't know why you like those. That's they're not required. Speeds are required at those positions. And um, having some bigger size, that's uh, some shot blocking. If stuff does get over the top of the press is, is probably a little more preferable. And 
And same thing talking about being better offensively. Um, I still think having someone who can like set good screens and finish inside and have a dump off option, like, like Scotty Lewis, who's, who's a slasher. I like, I mean, he's going to need someone who can, he can dump the ball off too if he drives or, uh, or he's just going to get swarmed. So I, I, I don't, yeah. So I, I, it's, it's fun to talk about it. And if we, if we saw that lineup, <laughs> like, sure, it wouldn't be awful, but um, yeah, I, I personally don't, I, I think, I think it's just a trendy thing nowadays. Like if you, like Neil, if you sent out a tweet right now and you said, I think Florida should play Quez Glover, um, Trey Mann, Andrew Nemhart, <laughs> Scotty Lewis, and, you, you know, insert whoever and, and just get as small as possible. People would be like, oh, that sounds really fun. And pe- like, no matter how, like you could 35 say, likes Nemhart. and 10 retweets. Yeah, I, I do. I do believe you'd get that just because that is kind of the fun thing to say nowadays. So, and, and again, I, I don't, I, I really love the three man weave guys. I would, uh, I, I listen to them oh, awesome. every time. Um, but I do think it's just a little bit where people are like suggesting just to play small ball is just like the trendy thing to do right now. And everyone's just like, Oh, modern basketball where it's like, well, not really. And look at the teams who've won and and having big, having positional size and uh, big men down low has still been what has won championships at both the NBA and, um, and NCAA level. So, uh, but it still is just, yeah, once again, if if you were to go say, I think that Andrew Nemhart should play some at the power forward, there'd be some people that are like, Oh, that's not a bad idea. That that would be so cool to play that fast and small, but yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a great idea. And look, I actually think there's an argument to be made that if you're going to do that one, two, two press on 25% of possessions, a lot of them need to involve Dante Bassett just because at the back end of that press, you want a veteran guy that is good positionally and that takes charge as well. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. And so I think, yeah, I mean, just for me, you, you, why sacrifice that much size when you have a big that's capable of offering kind of quality minutes there? And then, yeah, I mean, you could use pain some. Uh, I, what worries me about pain too much in those sorts of situations is foul rate, but I guess I'm sort of just making like blanket assumptions about what a freshman will do. I know that a big emphasis for Florida as a program is like, don't foul. Uh, but, you know, we saw with Keontae Johnson, that's a process. Yeah, it's a good point, and I, I guess like you still don't want to compile team fouls or whatever. But a guy like Omar Payne is going to have some fouls to play with, just because he's not going to be relied on for twenty minutes yeah. a game, presumably. So, uh, yeah. Drew Helmich, we'll close listener questions with him. Which freshman do you think will redshirt, if any? What do you think the rotation will be at the four five? Good questions. Uh, yeah, I, I still think that um, Jason Jatobo is going to be an interesting redshirt candidate, and also I think that. Um, Mike White yeah. kind of hinted at it at a uh, yeah. recent Gators event. Yeah. Um, and when I say hinted at it, um, he didn't hint at it. He actually said if Jason Tobo doesn't get in better shape, he's going to redshirt. It yeah. wasn't actually, so it wasn't subtle. So, uh, yeah. and I do think I just look at what Florida's got in the front court and I, I don't really see the need for, um, for Jason Jatobo to, to need to uh, use a year of eligibility. So um, the, the one thing that would be kind of interesting is that, or just something I think about is like, like say I look at like let's look at Isaiah Stokes, who people know that I'm not like a major fan of and don't really think his upside was <laughs> You're that not? high. But yeah, but uh, first time <laughs> listeners, that's uh, just fill them in. But um, I do I do wonder like let's say he was able to play as a freshman and um, you know just didn't have a knee injury and um, even though say he was he probably should have registered anyways, but even say his knee was healthy and he and he ended up just like playing a little bit, would that have been um, enough motivation to kind of keep him? in better shape and a little bit more focus. And I do wonder if like, you know, I, I look at like, well, this guy's not going to add much to the team and um, he's probably, it would be much better for him to get in better physical shape and end up being a, a 50 year senior someday for Florida. Like, you know, like there's some basketball reasons why that's like, Oh, I think that would work really perfectly. But I do wonder if there is like a human cost of like, Hey, I know you burning a year of his eligibility by having him play garbage time and, nine games like maybe that's not a good idea but at the same time like hey does that keep a guy like jason jatobo um does that keep him locked in and happy and you know in shape and everything like that I, so i do i i is there something i thought about recently is like hey maybe there is like a human cost away here uh ver- about him like redshirting versus not redshirting um and i also remember i mean when i interviewed him he very loudly and he was very pointed in saying like uh, you know, I suggested that a red shirt year might be in order for him. And he said he did not want a red shirt and that was not in the plans and he was totally healthy. And um, yeah. that, that just makes me think that he, 
you know, he, and, and on Twitter, he went at some people as well who said, who suggested that he was going to, it's like, you know, people were saying, you know, he committed and people said, hey, great get for Florida, going to be a really good player after a redshirt year. And he, yeah, took, he, went after he took offense to that. Oh, he went yeah, after he, me. oh, you're one of those people. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I guess you, you noticed that too. So uh, firsthand. So, so anyways, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe not. I got the thinking man and I'm going to play. So uh, <laughs> I was like, all right. Uh, it's by the way, to, to elaborate on the white comments, White did basically say he's going to redshirt. And then White also like took special care to point out that Jason is doing everything they're asking him to do. Mm, like, it's crazy. not it's not a, you know, he showed up and doesn't want to work. Um, it's just it's a long road back. And I think uh, I think, you know, I think the coaches just kind of look, they're coaches for a reason. They have an understanding of what it takes to, to be ready at this level more than Jason Jatobo does. And I love his his want to is great. Um that's just kind of the way that is. Uh, we will close with. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, surprise Eric with a question at the end. I should note, new Joe Lenardi bracketology is out. Gators one seed. Eric, any thoughts? <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's where they should be. Um, I think that, like, uh, I, I think that they're a top four kind of heady stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, I think I think that they're they're gonna they should be a top four team in the preseason polls. So. I just I don't see why uh, I don't really see why they shouldn't be at the number one seed as bracketology. So that's uh, yeah. I mean I think some people are. I, I'm also not some like people. Some people on the Gator Country boards were like, oh, I'd wish this team like, you know, maybe was not like you know people. Maybe I think people kind of wishing they people still saw them as like a 15th or a 16th team kind of going into the season just to have like in the yeah, AP yeah, poll yeah. like kind of seeing as that to have a little bit of. Uh, chip on their shoulder. I, I'm not really into that. I think that this team with the talent they've got that I think they know it. I think that they've got to be like, Hey, we are in the hunt for a national championship and everything we do should be pointed towards that. And they shouldn't yeah. need any of the, uh, they, they shouldn't need haters to motivate them or anything like that. Yeah. That's the, the coach in me and what I know about these guys just from watching them all the time, like Eric does uh, and seeing the way that they played in February and March last year. I really don't think that's an issue with this team. Like they know how good they're, they can be. And, you know, do I think that they're going to have a loss in the non-conference where you're like, Oh man, what was that? Yes. I do actually think that that will happen, Eric, because I don't know where yet. I haven't decided if it's going to be Butler or Providence in New York or just some night where things go wrong or Florida state. I know God forbid our, our show (laughs) uh, will explode. Um, You know, but, but no, I don't think that they need to be like, a three seed and, and play the disrespect card. Like they have really good players. They have good coaches. They know how good they can be. It's just about going and doing it. You know what? Off the top of my head, I'm going to say Providence featuring, featuring big man transfer, Noah Horschler, who played some really good games against Florida at North Florida before being a graduate transfer this year. That's hey, there's, well, an there's the, there's the guy. team. And it's, it's like, there's a lot of Providence people in New York. Like that won't be as friendly a crowd as Florida West Virginia was. Yeah, that's true. It's, and I, I, they returned most of their guys. So I, yeah, I, I will say off the top of my head, if I have to say Florida takes an odd loss, it is going to be at the hands of Noah Horschler, the six foot seven player who played some really good games against Florida's depleted front court. Um, <laughs> in the past, I think he's, he's got a big one. He's one of my, one of my favorite mid major guys I've seen play against Florida recently. So he transferred to Providence. I was like, yeah, yes. See him once That's more. Amazing. I love it. I love it. Uh, that bracket that, that Lenardi has up has like Xavier as the eight who Florida should see in Charleston. It's got Scotty James and Liberty as the 12. It's got Oregon and all that cash money at the five. Um, <laughs> We don't shy away from from the honesty on Florida basketball, do we? Uh, and then it's got uh, Ohio State, who is really, I mean, that would be a brutal region, quite honestly. Yeah, <laughs> it would be a brutal region. That's a brutal path to the Final Four. Um, but you know, there's no easy path to the Final Four either. Uh, so that's that. I wanted to hit Eric with this last question since it'll be our last show for a little while, but. Um, four people in this recruiting class. Give me your ideal four-person class. Okay, I will go. Um, PJ Hall, um, Taj Thweet. Um, 
Uh, I better put one. Uh, Jalen Suggs, I'll say. I think you've got to get someone up there like that. And then um, maybe Niels Lane. Let's, I think that might be my – I've got to look at – yeah, I think that's going to be my one off the top of my head. I'm trying to think get, get a little bit of uh, – but, yeah, I don't think Florida needs a, Florida needs a five. I think that if you get um, – actually, oh, hmm. You know what? I'm going to change it. This, this, lack, this is going to lack the five-star that Florida is probably going to get. But um, I, I think I'm going to go Zed Key, PJ Hall, um, Taj Thweet, and, and Niels Lane as a somewhat approachable but perfect class of four people. I like, I like it. So I'm going another top 15 to top 10 class. I'm going PJ Hall, Moses Moody, Taj Thweet, and you know what? Give me Lynn Greer. Let's just let's just keep signing point guards who are smart. <laughs> yeah, that w- that that would be a perfect one. I think I was thinking too much about like I wondered who was gonna. Yeah, I think I was looking at um, at Appleby and, and Glover and thinking like, oh, maybe for one year I could push off the point guard thing. But yeah, getting, I, yeah getting, I just but getting that, but like you said, right. getting smart guards in the program that yeah that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, and such a hard call for me because I love Zed Key. And, like, if there's a scholarship for him, I want to have him so that we're not, like, on Zed Key watch when he's a grad transfer in four years. Yeah. Yeah. I should probably <laughs> retract it, too, just because, I mean, Florida. Terry Blackshear, you know, Zed Key watch. Life comes yeah. full circle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Florida's only going to lose one front court piece this year, and they've already got a billion front court pieces. So, yeah. Saying PJ Hall and Zed Key, that that is probably not wise, but I just I do think about just how much I like both of those guys' game and just how uh, how unique I think Zed Key is, and um, yeah, I guess that was kind of my lure. But at the same time, I mean, Florida will be like sixty percent front court players on their roster if that were to be the case. <laughs> That's it. So uh, thanks everybody. Um, we will be back hopefully to do national landscape. Only sixty four more days until college basketball.